and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io It is my pleasure to welcome James Stenier. He is the Director of Engineering at Shopify. And if you're familiar with the show, you might have had the chance to listen to our previous conversation, episode 25, where we talked about one-on-ones. That was a different time back in the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Right now it's 2022, and before we get into today's topic, I just have to tell you that James is a very accomplished leader, has lots of experience, has published a couple books, and I will let him tell you more about who he is and what he does. Welcome, James. Sure. Thanks. Thank you for welcoming me. It's really nice to be here again. I appreciate the invite. So a bit about myself. So Director of Engineering at Shopify, people that aren't familiar with Shopify, we are an e-commerce platform that millions of merchants worldwide use to be able to run their businesses online and build their brands, work towards financial freedom. It's a really sort of entrepreneurial, enabling, interesting company to work for because it just feels like you have lots of lots of impact, which is fantastic. A bit about me. So director of engineering means I sort of have many teams reporting to me. I'm sure those of you who are listening who are in the tech industry know what that kind of role is. You probably work with the director of engineering. It's that kind of thing. Same kind of deal. And sort of personal stuff, yeah, I've, I've published a couple of books, very lucky to have done that. The first one was called Become an Effective Software Engineering Manager, which is all to do with becoming a leader of people. And um, our first conversation that we had was very much around like one of the topics in that book. It's one of the whole chapters on, on effective one-to-ones. And more recently, I wrote a second book called Effective Remote Work. See, it's got effective twice um, in the titles there. And that's all about, you know, how do you set yourself up for success as an individual working for a remote company, but also within your team and also thinking about the culture of your department. So it kind of goes on that that narrative arc, both pragmatic bookshelf, pragprog.com and available in all good bookstores, all that kind of thing. Not peddling my words too much, but um, yeah, I, I wrote them really for everybody who's just interested in those topics. And I think they're just a, a nice discussion of, of self-development towards those two aims. For sure. Should we know something about you on the personal level besides your books? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm a pretty regular person. I don't have any sort of wild hobbies that make me particularly interesting, but I do all the sort of stuff that I think is good. You know, I like walking outdoors with a dog. I like going on hikes. I like cycling. At the moment, we've just moved into what should hopefully be the house that we stay in forever. So Last night I installed a doorbell. So that's as, as exciting as my life is getting right now. Lots of like DIY renovation stuff. Yeah, I'm a very outdoorsy person and I, I live in Cumbria now. So um, I get to be outdoorsy in a very outdoorsy place. Thank you. Thank you. That sounds awesome. Very hardware oriented uh, installing a doorbell. It was a nightmare. It's, it was a smart, <laughs> smart doorbell. You know, these smart doorbells where like 25 years ago, if you wanted to get a doorbell, you go to the shop, the shop and you get a doorbell, right? And you just install it. And, and your choice of doorbell is like, do I want the white doorbell or the black doorbell or maybe the silver doorbell? Whereas now it's like, which of these 10 smart doorbells do you need? And do they connect with wires or Wi-Fi? Do they integrate with Apple HomeKit? How does the chime work? How does the notifications work on your phone? It's, it's just 
my experience of technology with all the the home stuff is is all really fantastic but the sort of uh, amount of brain capacity required to choose things is just it's just a lot like I don't, I don't understand how a lot of people can do it but i installed a doorbell and it works and um i hope i don't have to do it again i was just gonna say and the caveat is that who rings the doorbell anymore usually people just text you and say hey i'm outside <laughs> <laughs> but no doorbells are cool okay and jumping right into today's topic for the entertainment and education of our dear listeners and watchers today we are going to talk about managing your energy rather than managing your time let's start by looking at how you think they are different and for you how it manifests when you when you manage them differently yeah it's interesting so this this is something i wrote about um not too long ago and i've noticed throughout the years and especially now that i work for a company which is fantastic and gives you way more flexibility over your calendar there isn't a huge like meetings culture at shopify so you do end up with more space in your day than i used to in my previous company like my previous role where i was a senior vice president i pretty much was my calendar was my schedule you know it was like every day back to back meetings a little bit of gaps so you pretty much kind of woke up you started the work day and then you sort of sat on the train and the train kind of traveled along the tracks and then you got off at the end of the day and you know you're just there right and now i find myself in a situation where it's a very high intensity environment it's a very ambitious company but also i have more time than i used to so i was noticing that my habits that i used to have just didn't really map to my current situation so managing your time is one thing however energy is way more important and what this goes back to is i remember when i did my my phd and i was talking to one of the professors in the department and i was really struggling with managing my time back then like a phd is a a big endeavor it's it's done on your own uh, sometimes you don't have a lot of support and you can really easily burn out or completely go off the rails you know both things are very possible and i said to my professor i was like well how do you manage your time like sometimes i see you around sometimes i don't see you around sometimes i just don't even know where you are and like what are you doing with all this and he he was saying that you know he manages his day because he was a professor he didn't have a ton of meetings he's researching and teaching and he says that fundamentally you know he optimizes his time for his output which i think is the right thing to do so sometimes for him that could mean working through to the afternoon realizing that you're not getting anywhere and you just go you know what i'm just going to call it a day do something else and come back tomorrow sleep on it it might mean that maybe you wake up one day and you start your work and you feel just really creative and you're just flowing with ideas and things that you want to write and code that you want to write and you just stay with it you know and you maybe work longer for that day because you're just in the zone and you're you're feeling good about it and you're having a good time so managing your energy is more to do with what is my output what am i aiming towards and then always checking yourself like am i going in the right direction because i'm sure you've experienced this as well with with all of the things that you record and all of your things you do in your job as well if you're optimizing your time you're looking in your calendar and trying to fill in all the gaps right you've got like 30 minutes between this meeting and then that meeting and you're like what can i do that's 30 minutes that i can kind of shoehorn into the gap and then you end up just doing a really bad job of it because you don't give yourself a break between what you were doing before and you don't give yourself any prep time for what you're doing next and i think managing your time can lead to these sort of just anti patterns where you end up context switching all the time you end up burning out because you've got so much you were trying to pack in 
and you end up stuffing way too much into one day. But as you get towards the end of the week, you're exhausted. And Thursday afternoon, Friday, you just feel like trash. So managing your energy is about how do you focus on the impact and the output that you want? And for those of us who work in this industry, we get a lot of ability to choose how we prioritize our days, you know, what we spend our time on, that's very much up to us. So harnessing that choice and that autonomy and going, what's best for me over the long run to get done what I need to get done. So you mentioned the calendar and managing our time and you mentioned managing for the output. How would you start with this idea? So if I am the kind of person, and I am, I have to be honest with you, who lives by the calendar, I have, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions and meetings to circulate communications within the company and such. So I always look, where can I fit this meeting or that meeting that I've been requested to do rather than saying, am I going to be on top of mind for this to create the best experience for everyone, I guess? And mm. that's what I'm gathering. How, how did you start with this kind of management? So managing your time with your calendar is fine. That's absolutely cool. But I think it's using it in such a way that gives you the space that you need. There's a couple of things that I, I tend to do now. And I'll prefix all of this with that I am no expert and I still mess this up all the time. So it's it's just a constant battle. But one on like a weekly level is every Monday morning, I try and think like if if I was sitting here on Friday afternoon and I'd done everything that I really wanted to do, like what would that be? And I try and sort of list out what are my top priorities for this week? Because often without that, sometimes, especially if you're mostly doing managerial work or organizational work and you're not actually delivering tangible things, like you can very easily do something, forget that you've done it an hour later and then just feel like you're getting nothing done, right? So up front at the beginning of the week, gonna, if I could do all of this, I'd be really happy. And then writing that down and then trying to stick to it, that really helps me. Conversely, on the Friday, at the end of the week, I write a little update to my manager and my peers of just summarizing what I've been up to over that week. And that just helps me sort of stay accountable, mostly to myself, to be honest. I don't really care too much if people read it or not but the audience helps me stay accountable. So I do write this up as the week's going on, jot down notes of what I've completed, and then send it around at the end of the week. And sometimes that can be a bit of a riff as well. Sometimes if there's something interesting that's happened or maybe there's a topic that I think is worth exploring, I'll sort of add that as part of the update and say, hey, like I was thinking about this this, this week and what do you think about it? So that sort of beginning and end of week thing is very important. And then I think keeping that in mind, it's trying to remember that every day maybe you have four hours of really intense concentration that you can you can play with in your workday. I know the workday is longer, but things like reading some Slack messages, reading some emails, like that's not super high intensity work, but things like writing a design document, reviewing code, writing code, really scrutinizing a proposal, these things require intense concentration. And also you know, meetings themselves require intense concentration. So knowing that you've got this battery every day of maybe four to five hours of, of intense concentration, just checking your calendar that it lines up with that. So if you're doing three hours of one-to-one of -one meetings, and then you know you've got a document to write, maybe you go, that's what I'm gonna try and achieve today. And then the rest of it around the edge will be some time to react to people that need me, reading my messages, replying to my messages, and then just pacing it as a marathon. Because I think something I always used to do was, you start a Monday morning, you're like, whoa, I've got so much to do this week. Try and shoehorn all of it into Monday and Tuesday. And then you completely fill your time Monday and Tuesday. You sort of 
hammer the coffee, hammer the hours, really, really go at it. And then Wednesday, you just feel dead. <laughs> You're just like, I'm so exhausted. So it's about scheduling for the whole week rather than optimizing for every single minute of every day. I love that. You already have this mindset that allows you not to feel like you're not doing enough if you're not working, you know, eight straight hours every day. What other aspects of energy management can you point out to us that might help us with the switch from time management in its initial form to energy management? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is knowing what works for you. I don't think there's a prescription that suits everybody. So some people love structure. Some people, either because of their family schedule or just the way that they like to work, you know, they love to work exactly the same hours every day. And then outside of those hours, you know, the laptop goes away. The, you know, you don't go back to the desk. You, you just leave everything at work. But, but there are some people as well who like to just sort of blend work and life throughout the whole day and they're kind of cool with it and it works for them and that's absolutely fine. So I think knowing what works for you is really important. I know that I work on a cadence where my mornings are my focus time for sure. I'm always way more productive in my mornings. That isn't meaning that I get up at like five in the morning and start doing my emails. I don't, but you know, we get up, walk the dog, come back, have breakfast, start the day. And I always feel really like, huh, this is good. This is my focus time. And also I know that a lot of my colleagues in America and Canada, being in the UK, I'm less likely to be interrupted in the morning. So I can get my head down quite easily, write that document, review that, those pull requests, review that proposal. That's way easier for me in the morning. And then I can balance my afternoons with a bit more meetings, a bit more space in my calendar to just get involved in conversations and so on. So that's what works for me. I also know that exercise is super important for me as well. So as much as I can every day, we're walking the dog. Also, my lunch break is kind of just eating something small, but then I got Apple, Apple Fitness at home and got some dumbbells and I, I do some exercises at home, just, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. But it just it just helps break up the day. And I think it's getting away from that kind of like glued to your desk mentality. It's like, I have to be here and I have to be watching Slack and I have to be watching my email and I'm just kind of busy waiting for anything to happen. Getting away from the reacting to mentality and moving more towards the I am in control mentality is really important. And I think sometimes that can be difficult because it can sometimes come with guilt. And certainly you can sometimes feel guilty that you're not reading everything as soon as it's coming in or you're not reacting to people as soon as they message you. But really in the long run, you have to try your best to take control of your own inputs and outputs. And if that does mean that it gets to the end of the day and you're like, okay, there's all these messages coming in. People know that I only work until this time. Just close the window, step away, take the time for yourself, go and spend some time with your family, go for a run, do whatever makes you happy, you know, eat some food. And I think that's probably the, the hardest thing that you see people struggle with is just, especially if you work with people on different time zones, not setting those boundaries for yourself because you can then reluctantly end up being sucked into things and that really drains your energy because I think the the times where I feel the worst in the morning are the ones where I've found it really hard to get away from looking at my phone in the evening. But very, very rarely, I'd say 1% of the time do I ever have to. I think that's the issue. It's, it's a, a game against yourself, I think. So setting those boundaries and sticking to them 
And some people just don't have any of their work messages on their phone at all. You know, no emails, no Slack, whatever right. works for them. Right. I think it's very important to point out that you have to be the one who sets the boundaries for yourself because no one is going to do this for you. It's, it's very easy to feel like you have to do things for work. But honestly, as you just said, most of the time, it's your own creation of of you know having tools and and really it's you who should be looking out for yourself and for your energy with that said you made me think about it all the the exercise and uh i love how you painted that picture of your morning with the breakfast and and walking the dogs i think there is this magic triangle that they usually they as in the world of scientists i guess usually say you know the the three basics of of a healthy body and mind are good sleep, good food and good exercise and that should set you on the right track. And with that I think comes good energy maybe could we could we say that the two of us. Oh that's I think entirely true. I'm terrible when I don't get enough sleep. I'm terrible when I don't get enough rest. And when I say terrible it's more that I feel terrible and I think it then exacerbates and, and exaggerates all of the bad behaviors because I think when you're low on sleep, you're a bit grumpy, you sometimes, at least me, my default is to, okay, well, I'm just going to work harder today to push through this, or I'm going to do more to sort of compensate for the fact that I'm not my best. And turning towards rest and turning towards giving yourself breaks is not often the default mentality that we have especially you know people who work in tech we're, we're knowledge workers we're very autonomous and driven to do what we want to do and sometimes when that is our default mode of operation we can turn to it as our solution when often it's not the solution you know it's the times that i've done my best at work are often when I've taken more time for myself and I've come away and I come back, you know, there's that, that stereotypical adage about you're stuck on the, the, the bug. You can't fix the bug. You have no idea what's going on. You're debugging it. It makes no sense whatsoever. You go to bed and then in the morning you have a shower and you're like, huh? Oh yeah, that was it. And then you come back and it takes you two minutes and you fixed it. I think it's, it's knowing that, those three pillars that you mentioned that are the scaffolding that is underneath everything and you have to focus on them first um, in order to be to be effective so we are coming back to the point of make sure that you are okay for yourself and then you can make sure of what you have to do for for the company or for your team I think we are getting into this a little bit but uh, with you know bug reports and incubating the problem and then coming back to it. Do you think there is any difference for energy management when it comes to senior leaders or when it comes to individual contributors? That's a really good question. So I think that the principles are the same, but the application is, is different. So managers maybe by default have to manage their energy differently because they find themselves in lots of meetings back to back, where they have to really manage their calendars carefully in order to ensure that they're getting the periods of time that they need to recuperate and to do their work. 
ICs are sort of pushing back in to find that deep focus time that they need for themselves and to sort of reduce interruptions to make sure that they can manage their days so that when they're most productive, they can go deep on the problems that they're working on and, and, and really get some work done. But I think fundamentally it all comes down to the same things, which is, you know, are you rested? Are you calm? Are you feeling in a good place? Are you managing your weeks and your days so that you are able to do that? And I appreciate that sometimes that's that's difficult. Maybe you're part of a team where you can't change the interactions of the team. You can't change when your meetings are and so on. I appreciate that. But at least being able to work on that gradually with, with your manager and your peers so that you do make the days work for you. Because, you know, fundamentally, if you think about every six months, if you're having a performance review, like what are you being judged on fundamentally is the work that you've done. So you want to create the best environment to do that work. And it's always a good conversation worth having with your with your manager. Say, how do they manage their their energy and their time? And how should I, talking to my manager, think about managing my time? And I think quite often, as you were saying earlier, it's a game you play with yourself a lot of the time. You know, there's that sort of waking up in the morning with like an immense guilt that you're behind on everything. I'm sure we've all been there. Waking up, checking our email, going, oh no, today's going to be one of those days. But the reality is like a lot of that pressure comes from ourselves. And if you do find yourself with an overwhelming amount of things going on, how often have you talked to somebody or talked to the person who's asked you to do something and gone, you know what, I just, I really just can't fit this in today. I'm, I don't think I can get it done well. And they're like, oh yeah, no worries, do it in two weeks. You know what I mean? It's like the game you play with yourself is the one of the pressure cooker. But often, as soon as you open up about it and talk to others, They'll be like, yeah, don't worry about it. It was only just some small thing I asked you to do. It's not important, but but you make it crazy important. I think because fundamentally we want to perform. You know, we want to we want to do well. We want to do our jobs. Make sure people acknowledge us for doing our jobs well. Right. And and that is what fights against us from being able to take care of ourselves. I think. Right. But it's also so nice to be able to work with people who have the same kind of mentality when it comes to work. I was just talking about this maybe even today that I love it when I get the chance to work with people who who do the work because they enjoy the work itself rather than because they just do the work because they need to buy bread, which is, of course, we all know it's becoming increasingly expensive. But it's it's nice to surround yourself with people who are invested in their work enough. But now maybe we are reaching the age when we will be also invested in ourselves as much. You mentioned talking to your manager and when you talk to your team members, does it differ in any way? And if yes, how so? So I don't think it does too much. You know, I, and again, that's just a, a function of being lucky that I have really good people all around me. And you know, I'm really glad that I work here. It's, it's a great place. Interestingly, yesterday, I you know, saw the the LinkedIn post going around about Netflix's culture as well and how Netflix say that the best thing that you can have in the company is just really great colleagues. Like the other stuff doesn't matter. Like is having really great colleagues is the most important thing. And I completely agree with that. But in terms of talking about it with, you know, my manager and my peers, I guess there's two sides that are interesting. So my manager is on a very different time zone to me. So our relationship has to be about what I get done because for most of the day, they're not even online, they're in bed. <laughs> so, you know, they are not there all day, every day while I'm at my desk, 
talking to me or interrupting me. So it's, it's quite an asynchronous relationship apart from when we meet a few times a week. So I think that almost sorts itself out naturally. And we have to put in those boundaries of like, well, hey, like most of the time that we message each other, you're not going to be working or I'm not going to be working or vice versa. So I think when we, we first met, it's like any direct message, any email, unless it specifically says it's just not urgent, get back to it when you can. Don't worry about dropping everything to talk to me. It's all good. With my direct reports, they're all on the same time zone or there or thereabouts. So, you know, plus or minus one hour's sort of European mm -hmm. time zone. And you know, we, we've sort of struggled with this, you know, over, over the last year. We were quite new in Europe and we faced a lot of people being on different time zones. So we spent a lot of time discussing with ourselves, like, look, how do we manage our calendars? How do we manage the way in which we talk to each other? You know, what do we expect? And I think in terms of takeaways for people maybe listening to this, doing an exercise with either your manager or with your team or your peers where you try and establish your norms. So establishing your norms as in what are all the different ways in which we communicate with each other? You know, it's probably Slack or Teams, there's email, there's like video calls, there's recording videos, documents, like there's all these things. It's like a big bag of different ways in which we talk. And like, what do we expect? Like, if I send you an email today, is the expectation that you reply today? Or is email less synchronous? Is it okay to wait a few days? If I send you a DM, is that, is that urgent? Or is that just you talking to me directly? And I think being able to sit down with your peers or your manager or all of them and be able to say, hey, like, what does it mean to receive messages or to send messages these ways? What's the, what's the turnaround time for a document if I send it to the, to the channel? You know, what's the turnaround time for a pull request? What do we all expect? Because then no one's guessing. And I think it's when everyone guesses about how they should communicate with each other that it can kind of create these little pressure cookers of, you know, the person who is sending lots of DMs out of hours that seem really urgent, but they probably aren't, but you don't know at the time. And then you end up, you know, getting all that ironed out ahead of time, I think can go a very long way to to making the whole situation a lot calmer. Right. Just a recent event comes to mind. I was on vacation, actually, with a friend of mine, and we used to work together, and she was kind of upset. And when we got down to it, it turned out she was upset because she thought I wasn't having fun. And, you know, I we, we kind of got it out of our system, and I said, you know, I will definitely tell you when I am not having fun in this situation, but it's not your job to kind of figure out my inner narrative. It's my job to tell you that. So if I am not, you know, enjoying myself, I will definitely let you know and we can work on it together or we can go our separate ways or whatever. So I think it's very important to kind of set those limits and speak those boundaries before it gets to something heated when you are not usually as able to listen to the other one as you are when you are calm. That brings me to the question of what made you have this switch from time management or calendar-oriented time management to energy management or to this mindset of achieving objectives or optimizing for output? Yeah, mostly how I feel and also wanting to be available for my family, which is the most important thing. I spent a long time in my previous job in what was a startup that went all the way through to a larger company that was acquired. And, you know, I, I put a lot of work into that. I put too much work into that in a way, like in a, in a very unbalanced way where 
you know, I burnt out several times, you know, I found that I was just working too much. And also when I wasn't working, I was thinking about work and it just became a very distracted existence. And I think just getting real with myself and thinking, okay, well, I'm a certain age and realistically, if I work until retirement, that's another, what, like nearly 30 years. That's a very long time. So can't keep that intensity up forever because I think we all know what happens when people are very highly strung and highly stressed for decades. It, it doesn't work out well for them. So trying when I moved jobs to, to Shopify and, and was able to work somewhere that did have a very forward thinking culture about remote work and about your autonomy, thinking, you know, how can I make that work? Again, I'll say I'm not an expert at this. Like I'm not, I'm very openly not standing here as the guru who just floats through life and everything's not stressful like life is life but you know a few things you know happening in my life like my my dad getting very ill wanting to be there for my family moving all the way across the country to sort of live somewhere we want to stay for for the rest of our lives a lot of these things begin to make you think about just yourself and longevity and how do I want to be every day and what do I want to feel like and how do I want to turn up to my family and my friends and those who are close to me. And I, I don't want to be a distracted, busy, stressed person forever. You know, that that isn't gonna work. So working backwards from that, it's like, okay, well, this is a marathon, isn't it? It's not a sprint. There, there's no end game that you're trying to get to. Nothing is ever finished. There's always new things to do. It doesn't end. So with that in mind, you optimize towards what's a steady pace that I can move at that I can just indefinitely move at rather than I'm continually sprinting through every day, every week, and then needing to take time off to, to effectively do nothing to, to recharge and then just repeat that cycle all over again. Like that's, that's not sustainable. So really it's just about, you know, getting a bit older, realizing I need to look after myself and just wanting to just live a better life fundamentally. I know it sounds very broad and very, uh, very woolly, but I think you know, there's been a lot written in the last 10 years or so pre-pandemic about the the hustle culture, you know, things that lined up with the initial WeWork offices turning up and putting the whole kind of grind mentality on the wall and this whole kind of like, hey, young professional, you need to just be like at this for like 14 hours a day and you've got to have a side business and you've got to do all this stuff. And it's like, that's not sustainable. It just really, really isn't. And I think I'm trying to change my own relationship with work now in that it's a it's a part of my life that I do enjoy and I'm I'm grateful I have a good job and it makes me happy because I like the sense of being able to build some really cool stuff and make an impact and help other people grow and all of these things are fantastic a sense of purpose and community but it's not everything it's it's only one part of life and I think I've just been trying to sort of shrink that part down in the pie chart to be something that's very, very important, but smaller and more manageable so that I get more time for everything else. But ironically, I also turn up to work better as well because I think I'm looking after myself. I love that. When you were talking, I, I kind of thought maybe it is work that helps us create this mindset of like you have to get somewhere. And as you were, you were talking about how you came to this conclusion of spending more attention on yourself 
I thought it's not the destination that counts, it's the journey. And that sounds so vague and could be written on a mug. But really, it is so true in a sense, because if you can enjoy every part of your everyday, like, you know, you're spending enough time with your family, that's fulfilling. And you know, you're spending enough time on your workday, that's also fulfilling. Then when you are in either position of your life, you are gonna pay more attention and, and do better, as you said. The one thing that I know many sort of younger professionals struggle with is the kind of prescribed journey. And you go through school and you have very set terms and curriculums and exams. Maybe you go to university, college, you have structured curriculum, terms, exams, grades. You do a thing, you get a grade, you do a thing, you do well, you progress to the next thing. Like this is all very structured, right? It's like you spend almost your entire early life going through this like structured program of, of education and you can look ahead of you at any time and go, okay, well, I'm achieving that and then I need to do that course and then I need to do this degree or whatever you want to do, right? And then the very sort of high growth, high achievement people come through that into work and it's like, okay, well, where's my career, you know, career progression? Uh, what's my, what's my level? Um, am I going to go up one level every year? How do I achieve this thing? How do I achieve that? And like work can sort of take place of that structure that you have through your education. And that can be really helpful, but it's such an infinite game compared to education. And it's so different. It's just, it doesn't, there is no end. Like, you could very happily be a senior engineer for your entire life and that's okay you know as long as you are doing a good job and you're learning and you're having an impact and making cool stuff and building stuff that's useful then that's perfectly fine but i think we struggle with that because we it's it's so difficult to put that kind of education narrative of building always towards the next thing into other parts of your life because how do you apply that to your family like doesn't make any sense not a metaphor that works it's like everything after education is so unstructured that you have to very much just like refocus yourself around what am i doing that has purpose what's my community that i'm part of both outside and inside of work what are we working towards does it mean something and i think it it goes much more towards you know what am i giving back to this thing because you know, I don't know about you, like you always feel good when the work that you do helps other people. And, you know, whether that is people who listen to this, whether that's, um, you know, when you ship something at work and you see all the people that use your software are now using the thing that you've built, like that's great. Like, it's that feeling of giving back that's really, really fantastic. And a lot of where the, the burnout can sometimes happen is just that very individual thing. It's like, you know, I need to get better. I need to do more. I need to achieve X and Y and Z. I need to make this amount of money. I need to do this many talks and you know, all this kind of thing. And, and if you're sort of wrapped up in that individual pursuit for too long, I think it just it just wears you into the ground. So it's it's a shift in your career to like, you know, what am I giving? And I think that has more space within it to manage yourself better, to pick how you work, to think about the long-term game rather than blasting through every single day for yourself.
as you were saying, I thought of another thing when it comes to school. I think what's really helpful is that there are very specific boundaries for the learning or or practice zone and then you know there is the exam and that's when you have to perform and when it comes to to work and adulthood there is not really you know a specific you know like you know that there are presentations and you know that there are big meetings but really you kind of feel like you are in the performance zone every day and no one really tells you okay you can chill out and just take some time and study this whatever it might be and i think it also gives you a certain kind of calmness when you realize you know i don't have to perform right now this is my sandbox or or this is our space to kind of explore what the problem is or this is our space to play around or this is our company retreat and we are just here to kind of have fun and get to know each other so all those really ordinary things i think can help you de-stress a little bit and maybe achieve a certain equilibrium when it comes to your energy knowing that you don't always have to perform yeah it's interesting you say that because I, i always you know remembered my approach to exams at school and university and so on you know it was very intense like i put so much pressure on myself on those exams i did well so the pressure worked but it would be like exam season is coming and then it's like right i'm going into the eight week tunnel of revising and studying and mock exams for myself and like you can't do that over a long period of time and it's okay when you're at university because you finish the years of exams and then you get it done and then you get summer vacation to go do nothing and then come back in september or october to start again but that that's not how work is the performing thing is really important like i think the people who i work with who i feel are you know the best at their jobs they're not performing they're just being themselves and they're just they're controlled they're predictable you understand where you are with them you get very direct feedback there's no performance required and i think that's i guess part of this energy management thing isn't it it's like how do you get yourself into a position where you can go through every day fundamentally just being yourself because being yourself requires very little effort and know that that's enough and that's okay and obviously this isn't a completely personal thing because you have to have the right feedback coming in from either your your lead or your peers that you're doing a good job because the more feedback you get about being yourself being a good job the easier this all gets and then you feel that everything can just flow very naturally together i think if you have to really intensely perform as part of your job every day to feel that you're doing enough then that's definitely something to start thinking about like why is that you know where does that come from like is it because you have to or is it that you think you have to have you tried going down a gear being a bit slower a bit calmer and seeing whether the the result is the same or even better usually is better actually so yeah it, it's all interlinked isn't it and maybe start talking to your manager if you did 85% then maybe it would be also enough and you wouldn't have to go in the rabbit hole and just do everything to 100% or 120 for people it's all relative one interesting thing so 
the 80% thing is interesting. So I, I think it's less about doing less, but maybe more to do with creating time. And this was something I I had as a diagram in my, my first book about engineering management, which was like, when you're planning your own time, in an ideal world, every week, you are operating at like 75 to 80% busyness. And that's not because you want to do less work. It's just that inevitably stuff will happen. And I think the, the energy drain and the pressure and the stress comes when you've allocated yourself 100% and then like a whole 20% of other stuff happens. And suddenly you can't deal with it because you have completely booked yourself out and you're seeing a fire going on over here in the production system and you've committed yourself to all these other meetings and things and you just can't react. So planning for 80% is pretty good. Like maybe try and keep at least a day maybe either one day on its own or just a, a series of blocks in your calendar, just blocked out as like, please ask me before you book a meeting or whatever, and just create that space in your calendar for yourself because stuff will always happen. There'll always be things that you will want to work on because someone will ask you for your thoughts or want to talk to you, but just keep the space free because you'll always use it. And I think the leaders that I've worked with who've always impressed me are the ones where if something is urgent and you need them, they're just there. And I think that's not because they don't have any work. I think it's just because they create that space for themselves. So they know, hey, right. it's cool. You know, I can, someone, you know, you've asked a very busy person, hey, I really need you just for 30 minutes. And they're like, yeah, no, no worries at all because they've got the gap. Right, right, thank you. I think that's one aspect that we can definitely jot down, creating this, I don't want to say free space. What should we call this available space? I mean, as you know, like you can always fill your time at work. Right. Like, you can always dive a little bit deeper into that Slack conversation that was happening that was interesting, where on a busy day, maybe you just be like, I haven't got time for that. I'm just going to mark it as red and move on. So there's always available space, as you say. So allocate a certain amount, but leave another amount as flex time for yourself. And you're going to work it, like you're going to be working that flex time, but you'll make a decision on the day, on the hour as to what's important. Right, right. What other tips or tactics come to your mind when it comes to energy management? Anything in the realm of priorities or decision making or anything like that? I think we've covered quite a few. I mean... The main one really is is just to do with always remembering that your work is a part of your life. It's not all of your life. And making sure that you are putting as much intentionality in what you do outside of work as well. So that you are intentionally spending time with your family or spending time with your friends or taking time for yourself. You know, in the same way that you would, if, if your manager t today said, I need to speak with you for one hour. Can you find an hour? You'd be like, oh God, yeah, absolutely. I'll move some stuff around. Have that same intentionality and mentality for your partner going, oh, hey, do you want to like cook something nice for dinner tonight? Have you got the time? Or do you want to go for a walk at lunchtime? Or just asking yourself that. Do you want to go for a, go take yourself for a walk at lunchtime? Like act with the same intentionality and urgency on those things as you do with the work things. Because I think we can always default to the work things being like, yep, absolutely, I will drop everything for this meeting. Well, when was the last time you dropped everything to go for a walk? It's just as important. Right, okay. I guess it's an acceptance that we only have four or five hours of 
intense focus every day and it's it's not gonna be eight hours even if we really want it to be we talked about optimizing for output and really not booking ourselves uh, to 100% because things will inevitably come up. And you talked about accountability for yourself and kind of creating that space within the people with whom you work. Can you elaborate a little more than that? You said you send out a Friday catch-up as to what you have been working on. Do you send out your expectations on Monday? And also, do other leaders do that with whom you work? Good question. So I don't send out any of the Monday stuff. That's more just me prioritizing my week. I think what I do now is maybe a slight evolution of, so there's something called Brag Docs and um, there's a, a blog post by Julia Evans that we can we can always attach to the, the show notes for people to have a look at. But at its most basic state, a Brag Doc is where, you know what it's like at work, you're always busy, you forget what you do as soon as you've done it. And then you go through the week and then you look backwards and go, what did I actually do? If Or somebody asks you, what did you do this week? And you just go, like, a, I just did like a load of stuff. Story of my things, life. Things, right? <laughs> so the whole brag doc idea is like, you just take control of just writing down what you've done every week. And in its basic form, you just do it for yourself. So just by intentionally writing down what you've done, you can look back and go, huh, okay, actually I did do a lot. And you feel good about it. The sort of the next level, you can share it with your manager as like an asynchronous update. So, you, you know, you can just set an expectation of every week, I'm just going to send you through the things that I've done. If you don't reply, that's cool. You know, you've read it, not a problem. If you have any questions, just, you know, send me a message back. Or you can evolve it a little bit further and maybe do like an internal newsletter. That's what I do. So I just have a internal newsletter that anyone can subscribe to. And I just write my weekly brag doc slash stuff that's on my mind and I just send it round. So I love that. Just let me interrupt you there for a mm. second. Did you come to Shopify and say, this is what I'm going to do. Here is my email list, you know, like feel free to subscribe or, or did that evolve while you were getting used to the company? It was an evolution. I think, um, I did a, a sort of a mini version of the brag docs format in my previous role, but. There's a few people at Shopify who've got internal mailing lists that are just really interesting. I mean, they're not necessarily weekly, but sort of uh, senior individuals, especially senior ICs, there's a few that have have like a, a mailing list where when they've worked on something interesting or had an interesting idea, they'll just send it around for everyone on there. There's also an internal blog that we have as well that's quite easy to post to. So you can, you can just post internal blog posts with very little friction other than just clicking send. So the structure for doing it is already there, which makes it a lot easier. But... It was just sort of something where I always felt like every week I'd seen something interesting or there'd been something really great that I wanted to praise or call out or just an idea that's on my mind. And you know what Slack's like or, or Teams or whatever chat you use, you're always kind of like, what's the right channel for this? Should it be an email? Should it be a message? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just gonna write this newsletter format. Yeah, I just have my priorities on Monday, my notes develop through the week, and then I block out a couple of hours on Friday morning to just sit down and write something, just a couple of pages usually. And that can be as simple as, hey, here's all the cool stuff our team's been working on this week. That's a, a sort of a basic format, but sometimes there'll be a meeting or an interaction or an idea that's like, hey, this is interesting. I'm just gonna write something up and send it out. Just very, very openly, it's it's not super refined. 
I mean, I'm unfortunate. I can I can write fairly quickly because I've written a couple of books now. I can sort of write fairly fast and without much editing. So that that does help. But you know, for example, like last week, how do you deal with busy people was just a topic of conversation. So I just wrote my thoughts about it and just sent it around and people found it really helpful. And I think that's that's just something I like doing. And I think fundamentally, all of this is not about the audience or the other people. Like that's not where it is. The whole idea of the brag docs, the whole idea of you know writing updates for people or writing a newsletter for someone or, or whatever you want to do to sort of capture what you want to capture your thoughts. It helps you the most because it helps you crystallize your thinking. It helps you understand what you've worked on. The process of writing helps the ideas come out. So it's just a tool that really that I use for me. And the rest is is a bonus. I I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that there is like a really great idea for us to ponder. But as we are approaching the end of our time, and I don't want to keep you for uh, much over time. First of all, we talked about some of the activities that you do that are kind of like give structure to your day. And also you mentioned, I think very much on point that you have to realize what works for you, kind of see your own patterns. Are you a morning person or evening person? You have to talk about the boundaries that you are setting and the boundaries that are expected of you to keep to and it's really nice if you're able to talk with your team maybe your peers maybe your manager and talk about what is expected of each other in the different communications channels in the tasks in the pings on on the different channels we talked about how managing your energy is really gonna come to a very nice balance within your life where Nothing is really like overpowering anything else. It's it's really a nice balance where you feel fulfilled in your work. You feel like you're creating something meaningful, but you're also getting to spend time with your family. Honestly, I while you were talking about this, I just felt such good vibes. And Thank you. and really that's <laughs> that's what it's all coming down in my head. That it's it's not really this hustle culture or you have to be better than everybody else or or anything like that. You have to be able to be content with yourself and what you're putting out there of yourself and what you're keeping for yourself. So is there anything else that you'd like to add to our listeners? Words of wisdom about the journey or whatever you think is, you know, important or refreshing? So the only other thing that came to mind was that in in the middle of our conversation, I know I was talking a bit about individualistic approaches that can be very stressful on yourself versus service of others and communities, which can be just as hard work, but feels better and less stressful. A lot of that is, there's a book by David Brooks, I believe, called The Second Mountain, which is all to do with, with that that definitely influenced how I think about some of these things. And you know, thanks to my lead, Sophie, for recommending that. And that's very much like, you know, mountain number one is the individualism, the, I want to earn this amount of money. I want to achieve this thing. I want this job title. I want to work for this company. It's all very like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I, I, I. And then uh, inevitably at some point in your life, something will happen that completely knocks you off that mountain because it, it just feels so completely pointless, you know? And I think mm-hmm. we've, 
you know, I've experienced that with my with my father, um, and I think other people experience, you know, bereavement, difficulty. They get laid off. You know, all the there are lots of serious bad things happen, where you realise that everything that you maybe have worked for previously just doesn't really matter. So the thing that really matters is like the second mountain, which is what the book is about, where it's about community, it's about service, it's about family, it's about giving back, it's about your kind of moral alignment to a bigger purpose and being interdependent on other people, you know, having close connections, helping other people. And and that's the bit where people eventually get to after realizing that the first thing is not the important thing. Some people right. don't get there at all. Some people take a long time, but that's, I think, the thing that's important for me in my life now. It's like being able to use, you know, the experience and the opportunities that I've had to make stuff better for better pe other people, you know, other than me. That's that's the thing that makes me happy at the end of the week, you know. I love that. If I can get on board with that, I think, though, we are very lucky. I don't know what the right word for this is. I want to say blessed, but I am not the kind of person who is, you know, talking about blessings. It's like a nice thing to be able to have this conversation, to have internet, to have running water, to have heat. And I think the, like you have to, I, I haven't read the book, but you have to kind of achieve some of the first mountain in order to be able to give something back. Because when you don't have something of your own, it's very hard to to kind of give away anything, right? So, yeah, so it's I, like a developmental phase, I feel almost. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think it's just a natural progression where, you know, that we talked about it earlier, like that the the whole education, the achieving, the wanting this grade or this degree or this prestigious company or this job title, like all of this is very much like all that first mountain stuff. So right. you get you get along there, but then like something will happen in your life where that's just not important. You know, for for us it was, you know, it was my my dad and you know losing my dad, and you, know, you just realize in that moment that none of that stuff matters. I mean, it does, it does matter, but in the moment it doesn't matter. And I think it completely realigns everything that you do towards like, okay, well, this isn't all about me ever, anymore. You know, this this is about. How do I use all of these things to make it better for others? And how do I give something back? And I think often you can be doing all the same stuff. Like you can do the same stuff. You can do the same job. You can have the same connections with people, but you have a different mindset towards it. It's kind of like a, a happy, happy sadness in a way that like, you know, we all have to support each other and, and, and look after ourselves because there isn't really any other way of doing it. Right, right. It's it's about how you how you view it and what you can do to mm. to better it. Uh, thank you for this again this amazing conversation. We have I think gone through a lot of things that are very appropriately actionable and people can start implementing it right away. And we talked about some more philosophical stuff that is maybe a bit of thought for something for the future. Please tell us where our listeners can follow your work. Mm, I think the easiest place is probably Twitter because that links out to everything else. So I'm uh, Jay Stanier on Twitter. We can just search my name, James Stanier, you should find me. Also, theengineeringmanager.com is my website and that's my blog. 
we'll see you can find my books through there and i think those are probably the two entry points that, that make it easiest to to follow along awesome awesome thank you very much dearest listeners and watchers Today, my guest was James Stenier. He's director of engineering at Shopify, and we talked about managing your energy rather than managing your time. I am so glad we had this conversation. Please give us some feedback about how you liked it and whether or not you have implemented some of these strategies. I am Carolina Toth, and I definitely hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.